This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us again on the phone lines, or you can uh, shoot us an email, though. That's not the best way to get through. I'm going to try to get to at least one email here tonight, uh, but the phone calls are the primary element, so 800 259 9231. Uh, we're going to get you some of the latest on the Afghanistan situation here in a few moments. Uh, but first, we go to the phones because that's what the, co- uh, the show is about here. Let's talk to the Amp Line unscreened caller. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. It's me, TSA George. George, what's on your mind tonight? Well, it's been a while since I came up, uh, since I called about um, snafus and faux pas going on at my airport. I figured I'd, you know, shine you in on the, la- on the latest. Um, Poodoo that's going on here. All right. What's happening? Well, it's been a week now, and we opened up, since we opened up our brand-new checkpoints that we have downstairs, and um, we're supposed to have an underground uh, train system going on. Well, we got the checkpoints going on, but no underground train system still for a month. So all these passengers got to watch these trains go by completely empty. They can't get on into the planes (laughs) because for some reason... They can't um, get the trains to work with four cars. They only work with three. I don't know how that how that can happen since each car is supposed to have its own electric motor. I'm a little confused. So there's a new system and the yeah, train system. They're checking people. Them. They're checking people as though they were to be able to access that system, but they they can't actually, in point of fact, access the trains. Nope, not yet. Not for another month. So, so you got to go. So when you get to the t- ticket counter, you got to go de- after your gate after you check in. You go downstairs two levels underground. That's where you're now our new checkpoints are. Mm-hmm. And then you go through, and then you got to go back upstairs again to grab the um, big shuttle buses that take you <laughs> to the outer terminal. Oh, God. Yeah. So you're basically just kind of uh, shuffling people around through uh, unnecessary steps. Yeah, it's a total tease, I'm telling you. That's great. I mean, what, I guess once you get it running right, it'll, it'll look really cool because it does look at least kind of nice. And, well, anyway, yeah, I mean, government uh, construction can look pretty good in the beginning. They spend a whole lot of money on it. It's just down the line the after. It's not, it's not actual federal bureaucrats right. themselves. It's really a contractor. Sure, sure. It's so a contractor. Paid, sure, but they're being, getting paid with tax dollars. But they're getting paid a lot of money, and so, of course, it's going to look good in the beginning. It's just that down the line after a government structure has been allowed to exist for a while, it's the government people that are usually the ones that are upkeeping it and that sort of thing, and they don't just they just don't do the best job of keeping things Pretty. Yeah, here's time. another snafu that resulted of, of us moving down there. Now, apparently, they don't know how to manage the screening workforce so bad that now everybody there on their Wednesday, I don't know why on the Wednesday instead of their Friday, their Wednesday, they got to work a double shift just about, like six hours overtime mandatory. Well, overtime's pretty sweet, though, right? I mean, what's a what's a federal uh, government oh, worker get paid true, overtime? But if you got if you got child care issues. Yeah. You know, per se, if, or if you got to drive a long while. So some people dri- drive as far as like from West Virginia or the Shenandoah Valley, and that's like a two-hour each way commute for some of these people. That is pretty brutal. Know? Yeah, I know. It's like, and you got you got to stay there for over six hours more, and it's like you got to then fight rush hour traffic going home. But seriously, on though, what? Come on, tell me what the, what a federal employee gets for for overtime. I mean, the the federal uh, paycheck is time and a half. Okay, and the federal paycheck is pretty decent, as I understand it, anyway. I mean, I'm not going to ask you exactly what you make unless you want to tell us, George. But uh, well, I put in about forty three last year. That's but not if too you shabby. live in the D.C. area, that's 
Uh, actually, not that much. You really need about 50 grand of, <laughs> to actually live de decently over here. Now, in your area uh, or most other areas in the country, you know, where the uh, cost of living is not so bad, then, yeah, 43 is pretty good. Now, do you actually live in D.C., in the, the city limits? Uh, D.C. area, like I said, northern Virginia. Gotcha. You know, when you, when, when, if you can take the metro into D.C., then you live in the D.C. area. I don't know, man. Forty thousand dollars is that is that accurate? I mean, as far as what it costs to live in uh, in D.C., what's the median? What does the average person make? I bet it's not um, forty thousand. Income there for a family is over a hundred grand. Yeah, but it's for an individual. 50, but for an yeah, individual. I think it's around fifty something thousand dollars. The the average. If you, if no you make, way. If you got like a if you got a white collar job like a programming job something yeah, like that. Yeah, but that's that, not an don't... average. I mean, that's not. Well, well yeah, what about the median? It, it, I guess the median's average, a... a national average. Hmm. I'm curious to know uh, what what forty thousand is compared to uh, the median worker in uh, in Washington D.C. Because you're always taking that. vacations, George. I mean, I, I yeah, look, you don't seem to live a real tough life, George. Right. You're you're you're, well, you're flying yeah, all I mean, over the place. The only reason I'm able to is because I get paid vacation in the sense that I work, like I save up my hours. Right. That's how it does here. Like if, if you get like, in my case, the uh, six hours every pay period. Sure. So, so you get the weeks, federal so. benefits. You get the sweet federal, uh, the federal government benefits, which you, you know, you're not factoring into the 40,000. So after all the benefits are taken care of, maybe it's more yeah. like 50 or 60 or something like that. I don't know. Okay. You probably got me on that. And what about the but, pension? You know, I mean, what kind of pension does the TSA make? I have no idea on that. I got a, I use a um, thrift savings um, plan on mine, like that, because I don't trust the pension thing. Where, yeah, I wouldn't like trust the pension day. either. But then again, uh, you know, the government—if they've got the money—they will pay it out. I just the question is, will the federal government exist by the time you're ready to retire? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what. Hence, why I've, I, you know, do a four hundred one. George, thanks for the update. Always appreciate hearing from you, man. Appreciate that. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Median income in D.C., the D.C. area. I'm curious as to, uh, as to what that is. Oh, I mean, look that up on Wikipedia. It's not That's, that difficult. I, I'd imagine that it wouldn't be that hard. 800-259-9231. We go to George in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, George. Hey, guys. George, uh, thanks for taking my phone call. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I've, got a couple, I've got a couple points, and then I'd like to ask you guys a question, if that's okay. Okay, sure. Um yeah, um, on I believe it was Friday, Mark said that uh, racism wouldn't end until uh, we were all mixed into one race. And um, yeah, I don't think that necessarily. Okay, okay, um, let's go with that. I, I don't remember saying that particularly, but let's go with it. Let's pretend I said that. Let's just make sure. Okay. Yeah, you can listen to the Friday show. You, you did say that, and then you said that there were lots of fat, um, pink, white people running around the streets in uh, New Hampshire. Yep. Um, you know, I, I've never been there, so I'm. I'll take your word for it that there are fat, pink, white people running around. Um, so, like, my question is, is um, I, I'm here in Mexico right now. Um, there's a lot of fat, brown people running around here. Okay. Um, would you support, um, say, white people moving down here? And, yes. Um, and then mixing with the population, kind of like a tan state project? Yeah, if, they, if that's that what racist? they want to do. Is if, if they're going to move down there, I wish they were socialists. Okay, well, I mean, do you, do you support a tan state project? Is that racist to say that? I don't know. I mean, does it sound racist to you? I mean, well, is it racist to say that you, you want, you know, everyone to mix together to, to end racism? George, you're I mean, really fixated only... on this yeah, race thing. Yeah, he's like thing. one note, uh, one note, George. What's, what's the thing about the race, exactly? I don't know. I mean, I'm just, 
I'm going off of what you guys were saying. You know, but you called about this last week multiple times. I mean, what part haven't we cleared up for you exactly? We're not racist. Some of our callers are. Maybe I should ask George. Do you think I'm a racist? Um, I I think that you guys are um, going out of your way to try to pretend that you're not racist. Um, I think that everyone is a racist to some extent. I agree. Um, so you know, I mean, to, when I listen to the show, you guys make a big show of like not being racist, but it, it's kind of like a, I hate the term reverse racism, but you know, you, you guys use all these terms that are disparaging to, to white people. Not that, uh, is there something wrong I with uh, being self-deprecating George? Um, well, I mean, if you're going to be, if you're going to be deprecating to one group of people, and I, I think it's more than just race. I think it's, uh, are you going to say I, I have to deprecate other groups if I'm going to be deprecating toward, uh, toward my own group? No, that's not true. I can deprecate yeah. whoever I want to. Well, also, yeah, you but, can't, but you can't effectively, being, you're George. You're not being deprecating to your own group because you're being deprecating to a certain, um, type of white people. Um, and normally that's, uh, poor white people or southern white people. And I know you said that you, you were from the south, so, you know, that gives you some, some, uh, yeah, I can make uh, fun of dumb uh, Southerners. Sure, oh, so, I can do that. So you don't like it when I use the, the, the old country boy accent? You don't like that? Well, I mean, I called in and I talked to Ian. And I, no, he I wants, what he wants you to do, Mark, is if you're going to make uh, – he wants you to be – he wants you to discriminate across the board or he wants to I make fun do that. across the board. In the same way yeah, that I mean, Chris – wouldn't that be honest? No, no, no George. I mean, um, no, it's, it, I wouldn't, mean, maybe it, it, it wouldn't be effective, George. It wouldn't be effective, George. Because, you see, I can talk about white people because I'm safe doing it. It's like a comedian. I couldn't get out there on the stage and talk about N-words this and uh, porch monkeys that. I couldn't make all kinds of terrible black epithets on stage. It wouldn't be funny. I'd be a bigot. More if I do here. it with white people, well, you know, I, I suppose it might be funny. I know George said he had something else. We'll bring him back here in a moment. 800-259-9231. Josh just uh, absorbing all this. I'm sure he has something to say in a moment. Free talk live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the updates. You get signed up, we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com uh, and get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Plus, audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. Listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose, and in every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. We're on with uh, OneNote George here from New Mexico tonight. And he's calling tonight. As uh, he's, he's promised called, a second note. He's got another note coming up, hopefully. But uh, he's called in tonight to once again continue this discussion, which feels like it's covering the same territory, although it's slightly different uh, every time you call. To, to your credit, George, uh, you're, you're talking about racism. Uh, you're talking about Free Talk Live and the hosts on this show 
and how sometimes Mark and myself are both from uh, both born and raised down in Florida. And so if I'm doing an accent of somebody who I consider, you know, perhaps of a a lower intellect, I might affect a kind of a, a rednecky uh, sound to my voice. And you, you've been critiquing me for that, suggesting that I should be equally fair to stupid people of all uh, colors or, or whatever. I guess the suggestion that all people are, can, you can only be a uh, redneck if you're white. I don't know if that's true. It's probably mostly true. Uh, but nonetheless, is that accurate so far, George? Um, well, I'm in Mexico, not New Mexico. But, oh, I'm sorry. It said, um, it said New Mexico here on the, the call screen. So you're okay, in Mexico no tonight. Very good. Um, well, I mean, I, I don't think that because you have a, a certain accent that makes you stupid. Um, no, so I didn't say that. Kind of, nope, it's I a stereotype. I believe that there are definitely some very intelligent rednecks out there. I know two of them, uh, Jamie and Mike from Wheels Off Liberty at wheelsoffliberty.com. I They're think on... it's also got to be really hard to be a nuclear physicist with a stupid uh, New York accent, too. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure there's nuclear physics. Physicists that have a New York accent. Yeah, right. And, and I'm saying that it's probably going to be harder. Do you understand that for the purposes of radio yeah, and like entertainment? I, I entertain for a living, George. Right. For the purposes of radio and entertainment, when you do an accent of some sort uh, and you poke fun, you don't just uh, you don't it's it just you don't have time to put in a disclaimer up front. Well, before I do this redneck accent, I'd like to remind our listeners that we know that not all rednecks are inherently stupid. Now I will proceed yeah, but, with the redneck accent. I mean, come on, we're just we're just but, having but, fun here, George. I mean, but you you say you don't put a, you don't put people in boxes and you don't you don't uh, you know group people together. But I mean, Who's, who said that, George? You win, George. You win. We're racists. No, we're no, a bunch of see, bigots here. Here's, no, you, the, here's but, the thing but, about but, racist humor. But, but more, more, to, more to my point. Let, let me give you an example. Well, hold on on that uh, example, Josh. Jump in there. Yeah, I just want to make an observation about racist humor. The vast majority of racist jokes aren't malicious in intent. And in fact, if I tell them jokingly, the idea behind them is the more you poke fun at the concept of racism, the more these certain stereotypes just become a joke. They lose their power, and people aren't put off by them so much. So when you, you, yeah, if, you if you start if you start making that. light of the of the differences between us, you know the melanin content yeah, of your skin or you know, know cultural I've differences. Heard, I've heard an awful lot of racist jokes that don't really. You know, go towards uh, healing the races. I agree. Um, I would. I would agree with you, George, on that one. All okay. Right, so go ahead um, with your but, point. But, but let, let me give you a point on um, why you know, kind of an obsession. You, you call me one note, one note, George. But I mean, here, here's an example of why the obsession with race colors the the broadcasting in a bad light. On on Saturday, what obsession with race are you talking about? You're the one who keeps calling in about it. Yeah, but but you talk about white racism all the time, and it, it's kind of an obsession with yours. Let, let what are you talking you about? I talk about well, white George, racism the difference between, all the time. The, George, the difference between white, I'll, white I'll give racism. You my example. On on Saturday, you said that the reason why we didn't invade England um, to, and I know this is a joke, um, the, we we didn't invade England to to free the babies from being, um, you know, taken off life support or whatever, was because it's a country full of white people. What do you think the reason? The US is? Does, and, and that the U.S. doesn't invade uh, white countries, which is just like, you know, totally ridiculous. I, I agree that we invade a lot of brown people uh, countries because, you know, there's a lot of stuff in, in the country where, where brown people live that we want. But we also invaded Germany. Uh, we also invaded, uh, you know, the, the former uh, Yugoslavian republics. Um, I mean, there's a lot of white people there, too. You know, I mean, a lot of people died in Italy, invading Italy during World War II. So, 
but they're not white Anglo-Saxons, and that's an important distinction. Well, I, I, I but think to say I, that we don't invade England because because of uh, you know racism. I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, Josh, uh, excuse me, uh, George, excuse me, Josh, sorry. George, um, I, uh, I I agree that that was a little harsh. Like, I didn't like it when Ian was saying it either um, on Saturday night. What do you think the reason is that we're not invading? You said it. I, I did mean, not say it. You said it. I sort of you know, concurred a little sure bit, that it may be a little uncomfortable. Anyway, um, admitted The reason we don't invade England? Yeah, why didn't, why didn't we invade England over, these, uh, over the babies that they're killing? Um, because it's not something that I think the public would support going to war for. Why, do, why does um, the public support going to war? Why is it that the, the politicians managed to rattle, rattle the saber over what, what ostensibly is nothing that went on in, uh, in Saddam Hussein's Iraq, and we invaded that place? There. What's that? Because there's oil there and natural resources. But England's got all kinds of natural resources, too. Uh, not really. I mean, th- there's not, some oil up in... But well, not, it, not oil in the same way, but, I mean, if we could take over England, uh, you know, there, there, surely there's some good advantages. Those people work hard and produce a lot. It's a pretty wealthy you country. Oligarch, you, you don't think the oligarchs that run this country are the same people that run that country? I, I, you know, I, they, I, so you think it's because it's the same people that run England as run the United States, that they wouldn't take it over? Uh, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, pretty much. Okay. So do you so, think that those people's names are Bilderberger, Rothschild? <laughs> Um, I don't think that their names are Bilderbergers. I don't know anyone named Bilderberger. Uh, okay, so you that's do... the hotel that they meet in. Oh, is it? I, I don't know any yeah, of this I... stuff. I honestly don't. Um, so, yeah. do you think it might be Rothschild? Uh, that that owns the world, or is that what you're saying? Well, that, obfuscating now. That, that runs. You know what I'm asking you. That runs He's asking you if England you're a conspiracy and the coop. United States. Are you a conspiracy kook, George? Um, do I think that there's a, there's a group of oligarchs that control? Um, you know, world events behind the scenes for their own uh, benefit. Yes. And, yeah, I believe that. Okay. Um, so, have you? Um, so the reason we didn't invade England is because the same people that run the banks there, run the banks here, um, that control the media here, that control the media there. Um, they're basically the same network of people. And do you guys not believe that there's an, that people network and have uh, common interests? No, we, I, I believe that. Um, do you believe that those people uh, came from an alien race of uh, lizard men? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. Okay. On your motor vehicle, do you have a Confederate flag sticker anywhere? Um, no. No? Do you have a, like a really short haircut? Do you wear Doc Martin boots? Well, I, I'm in Caborca, <laughs> Mexico right now, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if the Confederate flag is, is that popular down here. I don't know either. So, you know, I mean, I mean maybe I could ride around with it and they wouldn't care, so. Maybe. No, I don't know. What, what, what is your point? Today? Oh, I'm just asking you questions. Thanks for the call, George. Appreciate okay. hearing from you. Just trying to learn a little bit about him, right? <laughs> Whoever he is. Yeah, whatever. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. What's to be the hot seat? I know how to do that, too. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. we got to get quick to this break so I can get uh, the word from my uh, you know, my Bilderberg masters as to what to say. Yeah. <laughs> you can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. 
likewise, you can bring up whatever you want by dialing the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We've got live streams, a broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam. All free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI, our main sponsor, does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Their employees are trained in resolving issues for your customer and treating your uh, clients with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. It's SACL CAI. See their banner at freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls going unscreened again to the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi, this is Matt in Maryland tonight. Matt, what's on your mind tonight? Well, um, I heard George talking, and he invoked a call that I made on Saturday. And uh, I would just like to say that I think George takes things too seriously sometimes. I obviously <laughs> never... never really thought that we should, that the United States military should invade England. And uh, as you had pointed out throughout the whole call, you were saying all that with your tongue firmly placed in your cheek. As far as the statement about the United States uh, military invading England because they're allowing babies, uh, premature babies, to to die. To die, right. And the, the point that I was making there is that they did use that exact same scenario or pretty close to that exact same scenario to justify going into Kuwait. Um, There was some girl that got up in front of Congress and told a story about Iraqi soldiers taking babies out of uh, incubators so they could steal the incubators. So I think that George is, I don't know, he's got some kind of a weird problem. He just takes things a little too seriously, if you ask me. I don't know if uh, he really takes things too seriously. It or might be just, just that we're um, you know, that we're gatekeepers from the new of the new world order. That's uh, his. Problem. I I don't know how much he 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 believes in all that stuff. I don't I, either. I'm not sure what to think about George because we've never really, at least, I don't recall any other phone calls. He doesn't want to answer any questions. I can tell you I, that. I don't recall any other phone calls the guy has ever made to this show, with, except within the last week on this one issue or week or so on this one issue of basically trying to bust Free Talk Live as being racist or at or the very least inconsistent i mean he made the claim that every he thinks everybody is racist and i don't know if that is true Uh, i don't i don't think that's true i mean i think all human beings have sort of an innate faculty to be curious and maybe put off by things that are different and you know i grew up in new hampshire um i may have made 10 uh, colored friends in my life and that's not for lack of trying that's just demographics yeah i i think that we all might have a prejudice, or, or we we all might tend toward being prejudiced, but I wouldn't call it racism, since racism itself, uh, at least in my understanding of racism, is the belief that one race is better than the other, whereas you might be, you know, prejudiced, you might be a little suspicious or um, not quite as willing to... to you might be positively prejudiced as well. I, I think that's a great observation that uh, prejudice is more likely, I think, than, than racism. And I think that as far as the prejudice is concerned, I, uh, probably a lot of it comes from culture. 
I mean, there's a lot of it out there in the media. Of course, there's a lot of parents that raise their kids with some very destructive, despicable ideas about people that look differently from them. And as they, those people get older, for instance, the uh, the, the little girls, uh, the Prussian Blue girls, we've talked about them on this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, their mother has, has randomly called the show because we're on in Kalispell where they live. Uh, but these are two little uh, teenage girls that were brought up in a very racist home uh, these the parents uh, are essentially KKK. I don't know if they're in there to KKK, but they're definitely white power people. You they're get that sick. impression, that's for sure. They're sick, and I mean the guy, the, the, her grandfather bra- uh, brands his cows with a swastika, just to give you an idea of how sick these people are. But they were brought up in this environment, and they were taught to and indoctrinated into it, and they were taught to sing these songs, these uh, these white power songs, and they were turned into these this little uh, white power star singing duo. And now that they're getting older, there was a great documentary that was done about them, I think within the past couple of years, and the name of it is escaping me right now, but I'm sure if you just go and look for Prussian Blue and documentary, you'll find it. But in this documentary, you can see that, you know, they're turning maybe 14, 15, 16, that age, and they're starting to really, they're starting to think for themselves, and they're not going along with their mom and what she's been kind of uh, the puppet master the entire time, giving them orders and and, di- and diktats as what as to what to do. They're sticking up for themselves a little more, uh, a little more often. They seem to be developing their own personalities, and uh, it must be very difficult for their mother uh, dealing with that situation. But how difficult must it be for them uh, growing up in a household where it's just hate all the time against people of a different belief system or a different skin color and then having to come out of that and experience the real world and then come to the conclusion, the the correct conclusion, that people are just people and individuals, human beings, should be judged on what they individually say and do, not uh, what plot of land they were born on or what church their uh, their parents go to or all of those other things. So how, how much of a challenge is it? For somebody who's in their position to completely change their belie- their belief system, so we've got people like that, and it's spread all throughout culture. So yeah, prejudice is real. I think that's a I think that's a good answer, Matt. Well, right, racism maybe, is, maybe. is something that has to be learned or taught. Uh, take an example from when I was about four years old. I met a black kid of the same age for the first time outside of a laundromat mm-hmm. uh, where our parents were doing laundry, and we had a little argument. Um, I don't think you can call it as racism. It was simple. I had never seen a brown person before, and I commented on him and asked him, to, uh, and he insisted that he was black, and we just bantered back and forth about what color his skin actually was. But we had no... There's no four-year-old conversation. Yeah, there's no yeah. imprint of racism in there to judge him you know, culturally, historically, or as a, as a person just based on that color. It's pretty clear think, that, uh, you know, he was brown, not black, right? Go ahead, Matt. I think that, um, that you're right, that and, and that when you're, when you're young and easily impressionable and you, you, you kind of get falsely taught these, these types of things, it's, it is difficult to overcome. Maybe, maybe George is, is, is himself trying to come to some kind of terms with something that he learned in his youth and that maybe wasn't quite so true. Interesting observation that he might be projecting his own issues onto Free Talk Live. Right, exactly. Thanks so, for that, Matt. Appreciate that. Any other thoughts tonight? Right. No, um, I'm, 
I'm I'm near you, TSA George. I'm in Bethesda. Hi, TSA George. Well, good luck at the uh, at the airport, man. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Presuming that's the direction he's going. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So I, I'm I'm with you, Mark. I mean, I wish that we didn't have to deal with prejudice and and racism and well, and things like that. I also think that um, it's. Like it's not racist to want a little variety. Um, the fact that we which is said, one of the original things that he tried to right. pick on us for. Because the fact that we've said that we want to see different ethnicities up here in New Hampshire is not racist. Where it's ninety seven. I think it's ninety seven, and it's probably even more so in the town that um, the, you know, the, the the metro in which we live. You know, I think it's 99 in the town I live. You know, that's just a lot of, uh, you know, people that are uh, similar uh, skin tone. I, I would just like to see some different variety in the and same way that just, I like, like not, to have different types of food, wear different types of clothes. You know, yeah. I just want different experiences. Well, it's not just from the visual aspect. It's also because people who have different uh, skin tones tend to and, come from different cultures yeah. and therefore bringing different uh, flavors of uh, experiences into the, the cultural mix in the area and maybe bringing their, you know, opening up, a, you know, sort of a restaurant that might not otherwise be found here. I mean, you can't find Somalian food here, but there's a Somali, uh, there's a group of Somalis that live out in in the Portland, Maine. So uh, so bringing other people in from different, uh, with different skin colors is going to bring other aspects to the uh, the economy. And Please bring the Vietnamese into to, to Keene, New Hampshire. You've been looking for pho noodle soup ever since you got Three here. Three years now. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Am I a racist for wanting to eat faux noodle soup? I don't know. Apparently, you'd be racist if you didn't like any of the other uh, people that tried to make faux noodle soup. But they haven't been. Yeah. That's the problem. 1-800-259-9231. Your thoughts on race, prejudice, or whatever is on your mind. If you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The Walking Liberty Half is a fantastic coin for the beginner investor and those who want usable silver should a monetary collapse occur. This coin is widely accepted as one of the most beautiful ever made. It's served our grandparents for more than 40 years, and you can get them for $8.69. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing the toll-free number. Brought to you by SACL CAI. The number is 800-259-9231. It's 1-800-259-9231. And we will take your calls about anything. Tonight, it's Ian joining you. And Josh. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. For as little as 3 bucks a month, we'll take that money and reinvest it into the program, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's valuable to you and you want to get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, as you've been hearing people use, uh, you can also get the AMP-only forum and more. Go and get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. We go to your calls about what you want. It's Scott in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. How are you doing, Mark, Ian, and Josh? Hey, Scott, what's on your mind? Well, you mentioned um, Afghanistan earlier. 
Um, I just wanted to get in a little talk with that, if we could. Sure. Okay. Um, well, you know that um, I'm a spiritual man, and uh, we are fighting in Afghanistan. We're still having fighting going in, in Iraq. You're um, fighting in Afghanistan? I thought you were in uh, Wisconsin, Scott. No, they're, they're still fighting. They yeah. are. Right, right. Okay, right. gotcha. Our soldiers. Well, they're not my and, soldiers. Are they yours? Um, well, uh, let's just look at the broad topic. I see there, where you're okay? coming from. It's all right. Um, I'm just picking on you. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. Well, in, in Ezekiel of the Scripture, um, it has um, mention about uh, Gog and Megog. Um, What's that? Uh, Tabol and Rouge in the Bible. It sounds and like a foreign language. Is that is it? What is that? That's a pro- that's a prophecy in the Holy Bible. I see. Um, but we got a dangerous situation going on over in the Middle East. Um, yeah, I'll see. In in the Ezekiel of the Scripture, it says Russia, Iran. Um, there's five uh, countries. Now, that wait a minute! They didn't have they prophesied the existence of these nations <laughs> thousands of years before well, they were formed. They didn't well, have let those. Me just, let me just finish here, okay. okay? And then you can comment. Russia, you know why Obama scrapped that missile, anti-missile thing? Because Russia is going to come across with Iran because Israel is going to soon hit Iran's nuclear facilities. Are you saying and, that the Bible predicts that? Is that what you're yeah, saying? It's in the scripture. That's correct. So, so you're, uh, let me see uh, if I've understood you so far. You're saying that the Bible says that Israel will attack Iran and and it'll hit their nuclear facilities. And what will happen then? Well, I'm saying that that possibly that's a good thing that could happen right now. Does that mean there will be a nuclear explosion? I'm just trying to clarify. Does that mean they're going to just raid their facilities, or will there be an explosion, or what are you predicting? Well, no, no. It's going to be hit with fighter jets first, like they did with Iraq. Okay. Um, but the question is, does because um, a lot of the machinery that's in Iran is, of course, with their brochure where that nuclear plant is that Russia owns, um, it's a very dangerous situation because it tells that they will all come as part, uh, with part of Germany and Turkey, too. Now, Mark, do, you've read the Bible through a, at least a few times. You spent nine years in prison, so you had a lot of time on your hands to read that thing. I've do heard you Gog, remember this Gog and Magog um, referred to as anything from, um, you know, sort of northeastern Asia Minor to uh, the Soviet Union. What about the fighter jets? Russia, does it, does uh, it talk about... swath of land there. I mean, really, you can, um, you know, when you're talking about... Uh, uh, some of these prophets. I mean, you're talking about guys who lived out in the woods. Um, they, you know, they were. Uh, that's pretty futuristic of them to, to predict an actual fighter jet attack on a nuclear facility. They would have been considered madmen in their time, and they're probably madmen madmen now. But are you saying that was actually in the Bible? The the whole fighter jet attacking. Uh, they didn't mention fighter facility? jets. And uh, what about the nuclear weapons? No, they didn't no? mention nuclear weapons. Where are you getting this from, Scott? Yeah, I'm you, just trying to understand. Okay, you cited right. a verse. What is the okay. verse? Okay, um, back in 1981, what did Israel do? to Iraq. They went in and hit their nuclear facilities. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, what I'm trying to say is that Israel has claims that Iran is, is building a nuke. Okay? It doesn't matter. It, Iran has probably the third largest oil reserve in the world on it, and they can tra- trade with Russia for a nuclear missile. It doesn't have to be built. And you, what I'm trying to say is that this will start out with the military planes, mm-hmm. but if somebody does launch a nuke, that whole area in the Bible says 
one-third of the population will be wiped out. Okay, so so what you're saying, if a nuke happens, now does the Bible is the Bible unsure about whether or not a nuke will actually be dropped? Well, I tell you that if, um, say, Iran shoots a, nu- a nuke at Israel, Israel's not going to hesitate. So you see, but I know in the Bible in in Revelation it says Babylon, which is in Iraq, mm-hmm. will be totally destroyed. There will be no life on it. Has that end. ever happened? Pardon me? Has that ever happened up to this point? Um, uh, I don't think Babylon, I can't answer that, but I know that uh, this big war is coming, Scott, and it's, it's a very dangerous one. Here's my con- war uh, concern. War is bad. Here. I agree that Here's my concern bad. here is that um, so far they haven't been able to, um, with anybody who's making any predictions, not just in the Bible, but any place. Nostradamus. Right. They haven't been able to show conclusively that these predictions mean anything. Secondly, Paul clearly said in one of his epistles um, that Jesus was coming soon. Okay. Now, I don't think that if uh, you know, you can use anyone's soon time. Soon mean anything, right? You can use anyone's timeline, but soon, by uh, a world that is uh, at the time that he wrote it was four thousand years old, likely could not possibly mean more than two thousand years from the time that he wrote it. So, or mm-hmm. get, getting close to, or about two thousand years from the time that he wrote it. So, I mean, there to me is a is a very um, you know obvious prediction, and it's very obviously wrong. So, to me, what that does is that throws every prediction that the Bible has into uh, you know an extraordinarily dubious light. What do you think? Well, um, do you believe in the, the the King James Old Bible? I believe that if the King James version was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so you're, what you're trying to say that with this uh, powder keg that's over in the Middle East right now, that you don't think that uh, the situation that will blow up in the future? Oh, I, I'm certain that the situation will blow up over there, and I'm, I'm certain that you, given, it, given long enough, the situation will blow up everywhere, including Antarctica. As a matter of fact, you can take that as a, a prediction right here on Free Talk Live. Uh, <laughs> there will soon be a, a war on Antarctica, and I've got 2,000 years to be right. And is, is looking for clues to this powder keg in an ancient ancient text really going to solve yeah, help the, the right problem at all? <laughs> well, that way Scott can say he was right. You know, I, mean, I mean, being, well, being aware you know, of the situation like and calling your shot is good and all, but I mean, what are you as an individual or what are we as a collective really doing about it? I mean, being aware That's of a it fine is, is helping. Scott, your response? Well, you guys, you know, um, you always think that Scott's crazy from Wisconsin. But you know what? You're going to find out down the road that it's going to be a big wake-up call for you guys and many others because that is in the Scripture, and the Scripture doesn't lie. And there's, well, now, there's how do you know that? You said there. you were right, Scott. Now, wait a minute. How do you that know? That whole situation but right. over there is so tense right now. Yes, you're right. There's going to be a war over there. I just don't know the, what the Bible has to do with it. Well, well how well, can you say, Scott, you, so I, certainly that the Scripture is right? I explained to you, Mark. Yes, sir. I challenge you to go home after your show tonight and read Ezekiel chapter 38, 39. <laughs> yeah, screw spending time with your wife and son, dog and <laughs> cat. Uh, you should be reading and then the, you the can Bible. T- and then I'll call in down the road and you can tell me. But wait, Scott, I want to know uh, why you're so certain that, that your scripture, as you call it, is correct. How can you be so certain? Well, because the Bible was written by Men. the disciples. 
It was written by men. It was edited which, later by other men, right? Which came, which the angels of the Lord came down to give them. By this. what evidence do you have, and sir? What does Vishnu well, the destroyer have, from, have to say about this? I have it from this? the Bible. How do you? But the, but how do you know that yeah, it wasn't actually? Hold on, faith. Scott. Fo- Scott, follow me with this real quick. Okay. You're right. telling me that the evidence that you're using to prove that the Bible is true is that it's written in the Bible. And what I'm telling you is, what if it was actually Satan? What if it was actually Satan who was controlling the uh, the men who actually edited the Bible? Never so thought you, about that let, one, huh? Okay, well, ask Mark this then. Was Apostle Paul? Apparently the only one here, Mark. Was Apostle Paul being led by Satan when he wrote the Scripture? I've been, I'm of the opinion that Apostle the Apostle Paul's uh, um, you know epistles shouldn't been a, should not have been included in the Bible. I think that's the largest mistake that the editors of the Bible made to put a Was man a who never saw Jesus in the Bible and a man who never placed in any of his writings placed Jesus on the planet Earth. Was it? He never said Jesus was in Jerusalem or Jesus from Nazareth. He never said any of these things. He just talked about Jesus as though he's some sort of historical figure. Mistake or like satanic Hercules. plot? Thank you for the call, Scott. I appreciate hearing from you. 800, by the way, I don't believe in Satan, just was asking, because how does he know? How can you be so sure that this old book is the truth? What, because mom and dad told you? Because the preacher told you? Because it's written in the old book? None of those, none of that is conclusive. Hour two's coming up. You take control and bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAmail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit dnamail.com and join the evolution. This is Free Talk Live, your program to take control of if you desire. You may call in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. We're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We're going to continue with your phone call. Still uh, the latest on the Afghanistan situation coming up here in moments. First, Dan is in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Dan, Arizona, going once. Hi. Hey, how you guys Dan, doing? you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, yeah, I, I listen to you guys off and on. I don't listen to you every day. That's but, okay. Uh, I don't either. It sounds like you guys know uh, Scott from Wisconsin fairly well. Nope, I don't. Don't know he's him. Called. From Adam. I mean, I, I haven't met the man. He's he's a. Oh, I mean, I mean, but he's he, he calls you fairly frequently. Yeah, he's called yeah. a few times. He's always okay, very kind okay. and mentions just, our names at the beginning of the call too. <laughs> I just wanted to say that uh, uh, he sounds like a real nice guy. Sure, I'm sure he is. You know? 
And uh, I would trust him with my life. He sounds like the type of guy that I could trust with my life. Well, I don't know if I would make that I wouldn't decision. do that if you just uh, heard a guy over the radio, but okay. Well, well, you know, of course, but I'm just saying right off the bat, he sounds like he, he's a potential for that. That's your at impression. Any, I got rate, you. I got you. Well, I just want to make you... a shout-out to him. He really breaks my heart because he's exactly the type of guy that stands in our way of freedom because he's so married to the Bible and his religion, which is, there's no problem with that, but he, he doesn't separate what's going on in the world today and, and all about freedom and tyranny, and, he, and he, he's always religious about it. Well, it's it's all got, been preordained. Three... Didn't you know that? What's that? It's all been preordained. Didn't you know that? There's no use using well, like, we, analytical we process. We've got three things in common throughout history. we got war, we got government, and we got religion. And it, nothing has changed. Something has got to change about those three things before we well, can really move towards freedom. Well, hang on now. I, I don't know, Scott. Uh, we, you know, He hasn't called often enough for me to really make this determination. I don't remember all of the content of his calls. But I don't get the impression necessarily that he is one who would necessarily stand in the way of freedom. I, I don't think that you, I don't think that believing in uh, the Christian religion or being a Christian is in any way contradictory, just on its face, uh, from supporting freedom. There are plenty of Christians within the liberty movement yeah. uh, up here in New Hampshire. There's some very devout Christians You've who got I kind consider of... some of the best, uh, most principled activists. But they've all taken a step back from their religion and from the from the from their religious leaders uh, because Christianity, although it may have been something entirely revolutionary when it was created um, in the first, second, third centuries, um, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, it has now, since it's been co-opted, ever since the time of Constantine and and, and that kind of thing, ever since then, it's been a religion of subjugation, control, guilt, all those things that aren't empowering. Right. I, I understand all that. And I, I, I subscribe to, uh, like, a Robert Vance. I read a lot about him on Lou Rockwell. Okay. And, He's one of their uh, Christian writers, right? Pardon me? Robert Vance, isn't he? Or Lawrence? Is it Lawrence yes, Vance? Yes, but he's, to- he's, he's totally anti-war. Right. See, I, I, think, I think a lot of the religious people don't know it, don't do it on purpose, but because they're pro-war, uh, one way or another, they, they stand in the way of freedom. I think that's a very oh, okay. important oh, No, thing. hold on a second. I agree with that statement. I don't know if Scott is pro-war. I, di- I didn't hear Scott agitating for war. What I heard him doing was predicting uh, conflict in the Middle East. He was just kind of talking about his Bible and what it says and you know what he believes is going to happen. I think that's different than being a warmonger. He was just predicting the you know war in the future. He wasn't agitating for uh, any involvement. I didn't hear that, at least from what he was saying. But I agree with oh, you that if okay, a Christian I, I, is... I apologize if I misunderstood. Sure, but, but let's, talk, let's take the issue you're bringing up, because it's certainly the truth when it comes to a lot of so-called self-professed Christians. Christians who absolutely support the government and they support warmongering and they support killing brown people right. and they in no way in my opinion I mean from my understanding of the Christian religion and I, I don't have the greatest understanding I, I guess I was a Christian when I was growing up uh, but uh, but from my understanding that's you would that's have assumed Christian. that Jesus was a peacemaker and you would you would you would assume that Jesus wouldn't bomb people and so therefore in order to be a Christian which is Christ like you may not bomb people you may not support the right. bombing wasn't of people wasn't Christ uh, in support of forgiveness and peace and love and understanding and things like that wasn't that pretty much his uh, the message i mean or did i misinterpret it was Christ that's actu- the way i understand it right was Christ <laughs> actually uh, you know a, bl- a vicious bloodthirsty killer I don't think so. If he, if he existed at all, and what I know about him, he, he sure wasn't like that. Thanks, yeah. guys. Hey, thank you, Dan. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Now, Josh, during the break, you were saying that when you heard what Scott 
was saying last hour, and again, Scott calling in, talking about the Bible, and at the very end of the call, I, of course, asked the question of, because he was talking about how he was certain that the Scripture was true. I said, well, how can you be so certain? Well, it says it in the book. But wait a minute, how do you know the book wasn't written by Satanists? How do you know that the you know the hand of Satan wasn't uh, over top of the editors of the Bible when they were deciding what was in and what was out and how to translate it and all of that? And he, of course, paused and thought and obviously didn't have an answer and then shifted the, the discussion somewhere else. He didn't have a real good answer for that. But you said that uh, it made you as an atheist want to go off, so I, I want to allow you to do that. Well, that's the thing about faith. It doesn't... Uh, necessitate or require any sort of analysis or empirical evidence or anything to justify the wild claims. It just only requires a belief in it. And he certainly has a strong belief because when you question that belief and you get silence, you know, the gears are turning maybe slightly, but then the cognitive dissonance kicks in and they think, oh my gosh, if I were to say, that well, I don't know, or if I were to say that I'm uncertain about the validity of this, uh, then it would break down my entire belief system yeah. that I've held for so dear for so long. Is and it so much to assume that this this crisis in the Middle East or the world is uh, a creation of man, and that we ourselves, as men and rational creatures, have have to solve the problem instead of looking for a cosmic blueprint? Well, I think that um, I, I think you're you're pointing out uh, correctly that if you um, you know if if you believe the Christian religion that basically you have to believe in predestination that you're going to have to go through a lot of gesticulations and gyrations to try to get around this God's perfect plan because it's just not true. Ah, it, it can't be in their in their beliefs. God created the world and and He exists outside of time. How can you possibly have uh, you know He knows what's going to happen from from start to finish. He has a perfect plan. How is there free will? Just doesn't make sense to me. However, I would like to point out, <laughs> I'm of the opinion that atheists um, that believe in evolution have to have a certain level of faith too, because they have to f- have a faith in. Well, the you're, sci- right. I mean, you're not, you're presuming he believes in evolution. I am. I'm, I, I, I've 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 made a, a right. step there. Okay. Atheists that believe in evolution. I've been I've been confronted with evidence to support a theory called evolution. Well, I mean, I think you can use the evidence uh, just as just as well to say that, you know, well, that this clearly must have been created by somebody, too. I mean, that's what people are doing. They're coming to a conclusion, right? So some people look at uh, the world and come with the conclusion that uh, evolution is true, and that's fine. They have to make some logical jumps. Uh, you know, all you have to do is study sort of, you know, what evolution is, you know, what it says, and, uh, you know, I, I agree that a lot of scientists agree with it, and I like the idea of believing what scientists say. However, they're making some logical and 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 faith-oriented jumps in the same way that uh, you know people that don't believe in evolution do too. So, I'm not prepared to entirely say that nobody's you know that that atheists are not operating by faith. Atheists aren't necessarily evolutionists, but I just have a fundamental disbelief in incre- incorporeal beings in space. You know, incorporeal meaning without form, without body, w- without the body. Yeah. Um. Well, the, you know, there, there are many people that have many different types of faith that, that don't believe that. Uh, you know, there's necessarily a one God kind of thing. Well, what people, we were talking about Christians. You know, well, maybe yeah, maybe yeah. I'm really turned off by the assertion that it's the Christian sect specifically that's got it right. Yeah, that you know really yeah. bugs me too. Yeah, you you have uh, everybody thanking God for the achievements in their life and denouncing themselves for the failures or. Take an example. If I were to blame Hurricane Katrina's landfall on the wrath of Poseidon, I would be labeled a <laughs> lunatic. Mm. 
but in some other vein to invoke Jesus or Yahweh or Allah or some more mainstream deity, it's allowed. Faith yeah. is the sort of thing that you're not allowed to to, to question or confront in, in their society. I can well, yeah, obviously I have to concur with you on that. It doesn't seem uh, it doesn't seem to me that God can bless or can curse and still be a faith, you know a just uh, loving God. Um, and that's often said that you know God's blessed me. Well, oh my God, does that mean He's cursed me? Uh, you know because I don't have the same thing that you've got. But who's this? Who is this guy up there blessing and cursing? I think it's much more likely that if God uh, did does bless and curse. He created a system that creates that allows you to access blessings and curses through your actions. More on the way here. Eight hundred two five nine. 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Whether you want to comment on faith, religion, or anything goes, it's Free Talk Live. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world, only to see it destroyed by raiders. Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to bring up anything is 800-259-9231, and that number is brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. We are uh, inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. The Shrine of Female Listeners is there with dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo or validated video proving they listen to the show. See what I mean by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. It's come around again. It's the world's largest machine gun shoot and military gun show. It's October 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the full, for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and 800 <laughs> tables, showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. It opens at 9 a.m. It's $10 per person. You can check it at knobcreekrange.com. That's knobcreekrange.com. It's in Kentucky. Excellent. I need to get a flamethrower sound effect. That would be awesome. Yeah. What, what, it would just, just going to be a hell of a big It would sound roast. like anything, though. It would sound like a flamethrower. Yeah, except much better than that, I imagine. Yeah, there you go. 800-259-9231. We're going to continue with your phone calls here and talk to, I believe we have Aaron in Iowa. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Aaron. Hello. Aaron, you're um, on the I- air. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just kind of wanted to refer back to what Scott was talking about and how you guys uh, were saying um, that uh, he didn't believe in or that you guys didn't uh, thought that he was wrong about um, the Bible and that it was you thought that it was created by Satan. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. Point of, point of information. Uh, let me clarify. Before we continue this conversation, there are three people sitting in this uh, in this studio here, and I was the one who made the statement about, You're Ian. about that. Yep, and I'm Ian. And what my point of that, my point of the question was not that I believe that to be true, but that Scott was so infirm, uh, firmly within his beliefs that the Bible is the, you know, the word of God, that it is absolute truth. And I just simply came up with a scenario to suggest that, well, what if it's not? You've never questioned the validity. He's always accepted the validity of it because, well, it says it in the Bible that it's the truth. So it, Satan is it, a trickster. Right. That's a, uh, that is a kind of a circular logic. Well, because it says in the Bible that it's true, it must be true. I mean, what a, wait a minute. Who wrote the Bible? Well, men. 
Well, now, well, but, isn't but, it possible? Well, isn't it possible? Was my question to Scott that it was actually point of fact Satan that influenced the uh, the writing of the Bible rather than uh, God Himself? If you believe in all that, and as I said, I don't even believe in Satan. So, go ahead with your thoughts. But do you believe, do you believe in God? I believe that everything is God. They're, I'm a pantheist. They're not mutually exclusive. One's part and parcel to the other. Well, I don't think you can believe in uh, God and not the devil, or you know, not believe in Satan and then therefore embrace God. I mean, well, well, Aaron um, and and Josh, I think that you can uh, believe in in God. It's just that the the God that I believe in, if you want to use that term, isn't a uh, separate monotheistic uh, man in the sky, invisible man in the sky kind of God. The God to me is just it's it's love, it's everything, it's uh, it's compassion. Uh, God is is no different uh, from you as it is from that you know the microphone that you're sitting. Could in Could it just of. be the universe itself? The universe. Can all we, it can is. we all just agree on that? Yeah, I, all of it is. It, to me is is what is supreme i mean that it's not there's no right or wrong there's no uh, diktats being handed down from on high uh, i tend i tend to agree with sort of with what mark said earlier where there is a there's a universal kind of justice out there there's karma if you want to call it that uh that you know you put out a bunch of crap you're going to get some crap back you reap what you sow that kind of thing and uh, i think that a good and loving and just god would create a system like that and i think and i think that uh, i think there's you know i think there's evidence that when you do bad things Bad things tend to happen to you, uh, and when you do good, you know, good things tend to happen. Obviously, there are exceptions in general uh, to to that rule, but I thoughts, think thoughts, Aaron. Yeah, I've been rambling. So yes, please, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, just basically, I kind of mainly agree with what you said there, but I kind of just wanted clarification on what you said earlier. So okay, did you get it? Um, pretty much. Okay. Um, Anything else on your mind tonight? It is Free Talk Live. Uh, no, I believe that's it. Thanks Thank for the you. call, Thank Aaron. You. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. All right, and I think the the larger, more relevant question is, is how is that even matter, whether or not it's predicted in one religion's scriptures, whether or not men holding office in the United States of America are going to commit more men to go and fight? It's not relevant, except it's relevant to Scott because he wants to believe that what he's believing is the truth. He wants to... He is so ensconced in his faith uh, that he is absolutely certain, and he wants to spread the word, as, as so many religious people do. They want to evangelize their belief system, and he's making predictions. Uh, as Mark pointed out, a lot of these predictions turn out to be wrong. Most predictions turn out to be wrong. Of course, you never hear about the ones that are wrong, and they always shove those aside in favor of the ones that at least have some sort of shard of, uh, of accuracy, which is usually not much, of ac- not much accuracy, but just a little bit. Then they're touted as uh, being able to predict things, when in point of fact, those predictors, like Nostradamus, have made uh, a thousand errors for every one that they got kind of sort of right, and you really have to bend, uh, bend the prediction around to even make that claim. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So we continue with your calls and go to Rares in Arizona. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Is it Rares or Rares, Arizona? Hi. How do we pronounce your name? Rares. Rares? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's on your mind? Uh, I'm really tempted to go, uh, go into this whole religion topic, but I think... First, uh, I'd like to, because you guys seem to be more into the theory of things, um, I'd like to propose maybe a a model for a kind of barter currency. Barter currency, okay, go ahead. 
Well, it's like this. Suppose uh, it's, uh, one of the things that I find really ridiculous is you have skilled people, you have people who have needs, you have resources that are not really that far away, but there's no money to, to go around. You get into a point where everybody who uses um, Federal Reserve notes has to share in the misery, whether you're in New York or in Alaska or in Florida, and there's just something like, it's like let's just wait it out. Let's when you say share in the misery, what are you referring to? When, when, when there's a crash, everybody suffers whether you had anything to do with it or not. Okay, okay. Well, the Federal Reserve System is certainly uh, a system fraught with problems. Uh, it's centralized control. It's a fiat money system. It's arbitrary. They print out as much as they want. They withdraw as much as they want from the system, and their 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 actions have some de- can have some really detrimental effects on the economy, and have had detrimental effects. They on also they also make it near, uh, nearly impossible for you to get off the grid when you see it falling. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on hold, and I want to find out exactly what your suggestion is, because I think we've come to the agreement that the Federal Reserve System is poor, and something needs to change. And I think that's what he was calling about, is to propose something. But I'm going to, I'm going to request that you, wherever you are, get closer to the base on your phone, or pick up a, a landline, because it's it's getting a little fluttery. It sounds like you might be outdoors or something like that. And if you know, if we can't continue the conversation in a way that is uh, is audible, we're not going to be able to. So hopefully you'll spend some time doing that, and we'll come back. And find out, hopefully, what his suggestion is. Some sort of barter currency. I like barter. Barter's a fine idea. Uh, I also like gold and silver and whatever else is uh, is a valid medium of exchange between people that want to do business with one another. So I guess we'll find out what his proposal is, hopefully. 800-259-9231. We'll also talk to you. Uh, Whatever it is that you want goes. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us, including the wiki with over 2,000 pages. Created by listeners like you, just go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive. Uh, this weekend, I went to the grocery store, and I had with me my Totasex, both of them, and I carried Did out Did you all... find it? I thought you said you lost one of them. I, I lost one of them, but I had an extra. So okay, good. I, <laughs> I uh, have now gone... Now it's my third Totasex. Anyway, I was uh, carried all my stuff out, didn't have to, to bring the cart back, didn't have to uh, you know, make two trips out to the car from the house. Uh, the, the, very convenient. Mm. Totasex.com, if you want to see what I'm talking about, it's a little plastic handle made of completely 100% recycled material. Designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks, you can go to totasac.com, that's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com, and uh, get a family pack today. Point of information, yeah, you said it's plastic. I thought it was some sort of special um, blend. I keep, it's... Yes, it's some kind of plasticky, there's there's metal involved in it somehow, too. It's from the... It's strong, very strong. Yeah, I can't, I I don't think... Plastic makes it sound cheap. Well, um, it's very, very strong plastic. Yeah, it's, synthetic polymer. You can't carry enough with it uh-uh. that will uh, cause it to break. Ever. Exactly. Ever. So, totasac.com. We continue here uh, taking your phone calls, and we're going to go back to Rarish in Arizona. You're back on Free Talk Live. You're going to give us a... You'd correctly, I think, critiqued the Federal Reserve note system, the Federal Reserve and, and its awfulness. 
But you had a suggestion for a barter currency. Go ahead with that. All right. I call it. Uh, can, you, can you guys hear me? Yeah. All right. I call it private stamps. And what okay, does that mean? A, okay. Um, well, I'll explain how it works, and then I'll explain what what that means. Okay. It, instead of trading a uh, um, valuable item or receipts for the you know certificates, like for example. Uh, Paper certificates on gold, which is never delivered and basically mean uh, are practically worthless, even though you can sometimes get something out of them. What you're tra- uh, trading instead is uh, um, currency for another trade, in other words, an exchange. Okay. Aren't there? Um, have you checked into businesses like? ITEX and um, you know other trade organizations that exist already. Um, I've I've checked into some of them, but this is something a little different. It involves at least four uh, uh, individuals. ITEX is more than four people. At least four individuals. Now let's say. So wait a minute. Let me see if I'm understanding here so far. Mark, you brought up these systems, these barter systems that essentially you can trade points that are good for future labor. Is that the idea? Or Or services. Services. services, Yeah, labor, services, products. Is that what you're getting at? Those are are always in what I call series. You trade one for another. This is trading for the... uh, Like, for example, if someone exchanges... I don't know, rice for nails, then that trade is worth something. Not trading the rice or trading the nails, but the event. If a certain amount of uh, volume in rice gets traded for a certain amount of volume in nails, that which, however it works, that if that benefits you in a, in a way... Well, it benefits both people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be engaging in that trade, right? Right. Um, but if if it benefits a third person... How would it benefit them? They don't have rice or nails. They, But they might, uh, uh, to put it a different way, they might be in a position where they need other services from those, and that trade makes it, it makes things work out for both. Of the other two people. I think Josh is looking about as confused as I feel right now. Uh, it, it just sounds like roundabout barter to me. I, um, mean, I still don't even understand I it. I don't understand where these third and fourth parties come into play. Let's go back to the rice and the, the nails thing. Okay, what let, is oh, happening okay, here? Let me, give you, uh, let me give you the example I was going to go with. Okay, you have four people on a street. They live on a street. One is a tutor. Teaches... Um, know, kindergartners, third graders, and so on, who's renting out to another person who lives on that street. Got it. Second person has children who need to be tutored. Right. Third person is someone who, for whatever reason, is happiest when they know that children are getting the most tutoring that they could possibly who wouldn't want kids to get educated? This sounds okay. like a neighborhood to me. It's, yeah. It, 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 where's this? Where's this going? Was it? What was the fourth person doing? And the, now, what, this fourth person, unfortunately for the owner of that 
of the tutor's house is constantly annoying them about this. About what? About the fact that, you know, children are just not getting enough education, just talking and so talking. The fourth and person talking doesn't out. think that there's, there's enough education going on, but the third person thinks there is? The, four, the, four, the fourth person doesn't really care. The third. I'm just. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, we need you to finish this up. All right. So. Now, the third, uh, in order for the. T- I'd like to point something out here, Ramesh. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult for you to propagate an idea if you haven't quite managed no, to uh, I've got, communicate I've got it. it. I just... Uh, I know, you're on the radio, detail. you're nervous. Go ahead. We need to really get the idea out there. I, I got it. All right. Now, in order to pay his, uh, his rent, the tutor needs to do three hours a day. All right. The parents, however, can only afford one hour a day. Who? Parents the, 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 the parents. parents of the children. I thought the parents them. of the children were the first uh, people that were renting to the tutor. No, no, no. The the the, rent, uh, the, uh, the landlord is just a fourth party who really doesn't normally care what's going on. They're just renting. I'm very confused. I thought the first party was the landlord. The second party was the tenant of the landlord, and they were tutoring the landlord's kids in order to... Uh, no, 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 no. The third, part, uh, the third party is the parent. I think uh, the fifth I'll... party is the one who's going to die of frustration yeah, and boredom. Is I just want to know, how does the tutor pay his rent? Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the, uh, the other... Uh, the ex- what happens is, because the, uh, there's a four, uh, the, fourth par- uh, the fourth party, because the children are not getting their uh, the two hours that they really need to get tutored is really just always complaining just for no for no reason they just happen to t- uh, be very talkative and this is wow. driving are you are you trying to explain an economic system here because it's be, for me yes. it's impossible Rarish. i'm i got to let you go thanks for the call i can't i can't take it anymore it wasn't didn't seem to be going anywhere and and how is this supposed to be an example that can be uh, spun out into anything else besides some bizarre four party situation where people happen to be interacting in a sit- tutor environment i mean what it may very well be um a a stroke of genius he may be uh, brilliant the, but the, uh, the you know it, it may be um you know <laughs> uh, or, cataclysmic in its its effects on uh, the human e- economic system however uh, the explanation that we just got here was not effective you can't uh spend or trade satisfaction or approval and that seemed to be like the only exchange that i was hearing Right, and what's wrong with the idea of having a medium of exchange? I mean, barter mediums, is... Yeah, mediums of exchange aren't a problem. The problem is is when governments get a hold of them. Right, barter is fine uh, for for those of you who happen to have something to trade to someone else, but if I've got a radio show and you don't need my talents as a, a talk radio host, but yet I need to have uh, you know the candy that you're making, then we've got a problem. Yeah. Then there has to be some sort of fourth party who's got an interest, and the third party has an interest in something else together with the tutoring and whatever Money's the hell great. else. Money works. Um, the problem is when the government gets involved in that money. And if you've got a, a great idea, you need to be able to boil it down. You know, you need to be able to uh, essentially get, cut to the essence of whatever your idea is. So if you've got something that's supposedly revolutionary, spend some time refining it and... Yeah. 
Talk about and, it in the mirror. And practicing communicating it because that was a, a poor job. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even if it's obscure and confusing. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'll do our best to hammer our way through it and try to have some idea of what you're talking about. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. Ian with you tonight. And Josh. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. We've got archives there. Going back an entire year, right on the front page of the website, totally free for you at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live has teamed up with Midas Resources to offer our listeners, that's you, uh, some great deals on gold and silver coins and pieces. All you have to do is go to gold.freetalklive.com, and you can check out uh, some that I've picked out myself. It's uh, the Lakota Nation Silver Round for $22.30, the Walking Liberty Half for $8.69, the British Sovereign Gold Coin for $288, and the 20 franc at uh, $233. You have a few of those, don't you, Ian? I do, yeah. Yep. I do. I've uh, bought from Midas myself, and you can uh, give them a call or go to gold.freetalklive.com. I'll give you that number down. It's 877-857-9938. 877-857-9938. We continue taking your phone calls uh, about anything. Nick is in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Nick. Nick, Massachusetts. Hello. You're on um, the air. Okay. Um, so on Saturday... Um, I talked to you guys about, um, or at least tried to, talk to you guys about workers owning the means of production. So we sort of went off on anarcho-socialism and how it uh, is or is not uh, real anarchism, whatever. But that wasn't what I was getting at, so I don't really want to get into that. Okay. Um, so I do want to get into, though, whether you guys think that um, that workers owning the means of production has a place in the marketplace, things like co-ops. Workers uh, own, uh, worker why wouldn't it? Owned. They already are today, so why wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, place? they are. That's true. Um, places like uh, Mon, Mondragon, Monodragon. I don't know what that is, but oh, I know it, that there it, are it, co-ops. It's in Spain. There's a, there's, a, there's a documentary on it. You can find it on Google. You can YouTube it. What is it's it? A, what? What is it? Monodragon? Oh, it's, a, it's a worker co-op in Spain that was set up in the early 1900s, I believe. Um, and they're still there today? Yes, they're still there today, and they're relatively successful. Okay, great. Uh, like I said yeah. before, I said on the air to the guy, because we had a, uh, a self-proclaimed Marxist call the show yeah. on Saturday night. And as I said to that guy, I don't know how it is you're going to get me, a private business owner, to turn my workers over, you know, turn my assets over to my workers. He didn't answer that either. He insisted it wasn't going to be violent, that everybody <laughs> was just going to magically come to the conclusion that this would be the right thing to do. And if that's the case, well, then that'll be what happens. But uh, I, for at this point, have not come to that conclusion, and so I was asking that. And I pointed out, well, why don't we just have a free market where you can have your co-op or your commune, and I can have my business and run it the way I want to run it, however that yeah. is. I don't necessarily agree with the top-down, uh, kind of centralized, command-and-control yeah, management style. I don't that, either. 
the, <laughs> Free Talk Live isn't really organized in that way. Free Talk Live is kind of like a, a group of, well, mostly volunteers, but a group of people who come together who have different uh, techniques and, and different uh, expertise, and they work and they benefit from working for this show. You know, if they didn't benefit from working for us uh, for Free Talk Live, they wouldn't come here. There is a little – there's only one level of hierarchy, and that is that, you know, it's my show, and then the other people are basically partnering up with me to do various different things. Mark, you're on the air. You're also a, a great salesman. You are the, uh, the head of sales. And, um, and, and Johnson, for instance, is our one of our graphics designers and, uh, and web designers, and we've got other people, IT guys and, and other things like that. Um, so there's a, there's one level there, but it's not like I've got managers who have managers who have uh, underlings who have underlings. So I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that structure either. But I think that if we had a free marketplace, which we don't, but if we had one, we would get to find out which of these structures are most effective in which circumstances. And I'm not saying that co-ops wouldn't work in um, in some ways better than yeah. others. I don't know. I, I would just like a, a concrete definition of the means of production. I mean, let's take... Take a company like Microsoft, for example, that was founded by a group of people in a garage working cooperatively. So would they own all the means of production? I mean, they still had to get computer parts. Um, whoever they purchased their parts from had to get the, sili- the silica and uh, what uh, the soldering apparatus, uh, the basic components to build the microchips. I mean, how much of the, those, those means of production can this, like a one group of people own? And how vast is this collective of people you're talking about? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm no expert on how cooperatives exactly work. I've only, um, you know, I'm going to like, I, I guess, absolve myself from this due to just plain ignorance that I, I can't really, I don't know how big it would it would be. Like, I would I would imagine that co-ops would run into the same problem as big businesses would in, in the marketplace with the calculation problem. So I, I would imagine that they wouldn't get too big, but I, I'd imagine it'd be maybe fairly uh, decently sized. Um, Mono Dragon is a pretty big. Um, well, some co-op. some co-ops the- simply have to uh, to work in the same way that some humans grow horns out of their heads. Um, the fact is. Lots and lots of co-ops have been tried, and you can show far more co-ops that fail than co-ops that work. Um, you could say that the same thing about most businesses. Yeah, I think you can yeah. probably show that. Uh, I think you can likely show that businesses uh, work m- far more successfully than co-ops do. Maybe that's true, but I don't Simply know. You're speculating. People don't, people don't carry the burden, um, and that's the problem. If 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 everybody people gets don't together carry the and burden, they don't. What do you mean? Well, they 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 don't carry the um, the onus of. But the, if they're owning the business, then don't they have more responsibility? But they but in a co-op, you don't really own it. It's, who owns the business in a co-op? Everyone cooperates. So who assumes the risk? Is it everyone that assumes the risk? The, the pays, larger the, the risk pays is the overheads. The, I'm, the larger the risk is spread out, and uh, yeah, Josh is right. The larger the risk risk is spread out, the less people are going to take uh, responsibility for it. Yeah, and that's why it's tough in the first place for co-ops to get started because there's it, it's a different structure. There's there's different um, it's the, the regulations. Uh, the regulators have trouble regulating them because it's different procedures for a co-op. It's difficult to set it up because there's different risks. There's different organizations. Uh, yeah, but there's got to be provision to get rid of somebody that's doing a bad job, right? I mean, wouldn't you have that in your co-op as if somebody's yeah, sabotaging yeah, of course, you? The, uh, co-ops, the, the co-op in Spain, I believe, is um, has like multi, like it's like layered out. Like the, the 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 workers choose like special like representatives to like manage the place, and 
you know, the, they're like, you know, voted on democratically and stuff. Like, if they can uh, accomplish it without being bureaucratic and, uh, and yeah, of obnoxious, course. then that's that's. I'm good for all them. for anything that's voluntary. I'm just yeah, saying that the the fact is the evidence is um, that the co-ops don't seem to work very well. I've been well, I, I would I would encourage you to um, look at the documentary about the co-op that but I why? was talking. What? Why? Oh, because because it, I, from what I've seen in the documentary and what I've heard from other mutualists and um, people who support co-ops is that it's a fairly successful co-op and it's a very Okay, good so example. there's a successful co-op, but why should I watch the video about it? I mean, there's lots of well, videos we, about lots of things that are good or whatever. I don't want to start a co-op. Okay. I think well, he wants to recruit want. you, but I don't Do you care. Want, you want to recruit Mark into being a co-op owner? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, then he's probably not going to watch your video. There no, are no owners yeah, of the co-op. Right, <laughs> Say what, Josh? There is no owner of the co-op. That's the point. Well, yeah. well wait. I thought everybody what? owns a co-op. I thought everyone who's running the co-op owns a co-op. I, I was my understanding that's an employee kind of owned business. Is that not the case? Don't they in turn just become a corporation at that point? Well, I don't know. A corporation is a file folder in a government computer somewhere. I, there's no real such thing as a corporation. It's just a legal fiction. Abstract entity. Right. So uh, it seems to me that I've been on a commune before, and it's not somewhere I would want to live. It was nasty and uh, not pretty. Maybe didn't, we some... eat, didn't you and I eat at that communal uh, restaurant over in Brattleboro? They shut down, no, by the way. No, I didn't they go They didn't have there. enough participation. Um, well, my wife and I did. I, I, I know that we were there. I was there twice and um, with somebody besides my wife once. Um and they shut down just because, well, people weren't taking good <laughs> – the servers weren't showing up. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, thanks for the call, Nick. I certainly appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I don't know what the best uh, mode of running a business is. Maybe it's different depending on the business. Maybe I it's know different what on the, the best mode of uh, running a business is. You have a guy at the top that takes the responsibility, and he takes the bullets. That's how you run a business because that's how it works. Well, maybe that's how it works for you, but obviously Look, some people have different ideas. you get together and not wash and have group sex. I don't care if that's what you <laughs> want to do. That's fine, as long as you're not trying to shove your system down my throat. Yeah, However, yeah, right. if you want a system that works, there's a good one. Well, couldn't it be possible that there are better ones out there than what you're talking about? I mean, I'd, I'd love somebody to show me. Don't you think that the, the top-down yeah. uh, centralized command and control management structure is a little bureaucratic in the way well, that it I didn't operates? say top-down uh, management command and control. Okay. But that right. seems to be the typical structure of business today. Well, that's, that's all fine for those who want it. Um, whenever this debate comes up, I just I think it's redundant. Right. This is a problem that solves itself. I don't care what system you want. If you want a commune, get go your friends it. out and go commune. Right. I don't care. I don't want to join the commune. Please, though. I'm not interested. Yeah. 800-259-9231. I'm glad over the years that I never actually, because you tried to uh, to get a part ownership of Free Talk Live, Mark. And I oh, never I do have part do ownership it. of Free Talk Live. Well, not really. I have the ads. You have but the But I could time. take everything off the air and then you'd be done. But, uh, you so, could quit being on the air and then I'd be done too, right? I'd have to right, go start my done. own show. So, right. So what I was saying is that uh, I'm just glad I didn't because then it would be a partnership. It would be much more difficult to deal it with. It would be the same as I don't it is like now. co-owning things. Hour 3 is coming up. Free Talk Live. Hello, Free Talk Live podcast subscribers. This is novelist Spencer Baum here to tell you about my new book, The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. It's a fantasy novel in the tradition of the boy wizards and vampires that have been so popular lately, but written from the perspective of a libertarian like you. My novel has all the monsters, magic, hair-raising adventures, and teen angst you've come to know and love. But unlike those other books, you'll find no glorification of life in the government schools in this story. 
My main character doesn't truly start learning until he ditches class and connects with some libertarian homeschoolers. And he can't go about saving the world until he sees that the conformist worldview of the modern American fails to see the truth. But don't take my word for it. Listen for yourself, for free. Open up iTunes and search for The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. I've released the first six chapters as a free podcast. Give it a listen. It's free. That's The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. I hope you enjoy. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we launch here into the third hour of the program. 800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, freetalklive.com. Now, I mentioned we were going to get to an Afghanistan thing, and hopefully we will. It's a, it's a quick quick update. It doesn't have to, we don't have to get too far into it. But what we were getting into during the news break was a discussion about intellectual property, and I figured we might as well have it on the air because Josh, who is with us tonight here, I think for the second time, so welcome back to the program. Josh is uh, is here. He's a musician, and he is in support of intellectual property. And we were talking about various different things, but to get the discussion started on the air, I'd like to share a story from ArsTechnica.com. Study, free markets superior to patent monopolies. For the most part, advocates of free markets contend that competition and innovation go hand in hand, as individuals and companies compete to find optimal solutions that will bring them financial success. There's a glaring exception to that, however, the patent system which has a lottery-like, winner-takes-all reward structure. Anyone who successfully patents an innovation is granted a monopoly for its use, a trade-off that is considered a, necess- uh, nece- excuse me, a necessary reward to spur innovation. Now, the current patent system, however, is beginning to show signs of stress, and there have been a number of questions regarding its basic assumptions. Although it's not part of the changes being considered in their current patent reform efforts, the use of temporary monopolies as a reward for innovation has been challenged in academic circles. That debate has now reached the pages of science, where a new paper spells out the alternative right in its title, Promoting Intellectual Discovery, Patents versus Markets. The paper spells out a number of reasons why patent monopolies may not be the spur for innovation that they're intended to be, kind of in the same way that regulations aren't uh, in any way uh, protecting people or actually helping the consumer. They're actually hurting the consumer. It's just they, they sort of paint a picture otherwise. So it says here that uh, partial solutions don't get any reward. Fragmented ownership of innovations can inhibit their use. Downstream licensing can inhibit markets well outside of the scope of the innovation, etc. The problems are tied together by the fact that intellectual property is hard to define, meaning all of these issues will almost certainly require repeated trips to the legal system to sort out, which means you have to pay a lawyer a lot of money in order to get through this stuff. And that does seem to be what intellectual property is all about, is uh, keeping Lots and lots of attorneys employed at very, 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 very high rates. One of the reasons why research and development uh, is also a very attorney-based process, and that's one of the reasons why it costs a lot of money uh, to get patents on. It costs a lot of money to to bring products to market because you have to go through all the the legal hoops. So without the patent system, you'd immediately have a a reduction in the cost of research and development because you wouldn't have to deal with all the the lawyers. Uh, But the authors argue there have been some cases where a a period, rather, of patent-free innovation took place in a way that ensured that the innovators were still rewarded. Their prime example is the case of the mining industry in Cornwall, England, where the expiration of several patents on steam engines spurred a period of openly shared innovations that led to rapid improvements in steam engine design. 
The lack of intellectual property allowed multiple improvements to be incorporated into a single design, while the innovators benefited from having their minds operating more efficiently ahead of their competition. So the idea there being that if you don't have to pay somebody to use their idea in your new process, you're trying to come up with something, you know, some new innovation. Somebody else has come up with a good idea, but they've got a patent on it. So in order to use that idea within your new idea, you have to go and ask them permission to get a license, you know, to pay whatever licensing fees uh, they have in order to use their idea. But the question is, is it sustainable? Because if it's for a short period of time, then sure, you see an increase in the mining and the mining industry. But what about the steam building, steam engine building industry? Um, If, if, if I say that, well, you know, I just can't make money. Uh, you know, somebody keeps on stealing my ideas whenever I come up with a steam engine here. Like maybe I'm not going. Maybe I'm just going to go work at the mine. Well, maybe you need to innovate and figure out a better way to market your product. I am. Well, I'm. I'm with you. That uh, stop you know, whining. You're calling me a whiner. If you were in that situation, oh, people stealing my ideas. You know what? Borrowing ideas is what's happening. Your ideas can't be stolen because you're not being, they're not being subtracted from you. You still have them. They've been borrowed. Perhaps they've been done better. Perhaps they've been put together more effectively. Perhaps the ideas have been managed more effectively, marketed more effectively, and they've well, done a better job. Maybe you should a, go work for them. You're making a really good point, but what, what happens if the, uh, the steam engine industry dries up and goes away? Things change. Yeah. Well, maybe there won't be innovation. Oh, come on. See, now that's the kind of uh, statement that just is completely ignorant because you know... You're not addressing it. You're just saying, oh, you're a crybaby. You're making a the bad point. The evidence shows that there I'm is innovation. You that you're making a bad the point. The evidence is showing you right here, Mark, that there was no, innovation. No, it isn't. I told you just then that the evidence doesn't at all address the manufacture of steam engines. It only addresses how the mining industry did. And I am it said it allowed multiple improvements to be incorporated in a single steam engine design. Yes, so the engines the were still who being make designed. The improvements, the, 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 who made those improvements uh, didn't get compensated for How do for you it. know that? That doesn't say that in this story, now does it? You can go and read the entire paper. There's a full academic examination of this available out there. But Dr. Mary Ruart said in her uh, presentation at the uh, the Free State Project's Liberty Forum this year, she was talking about patents, and she has been in the uh, the medicine field long enough to where she's uh, familiar with what happened before this this current system was, was put in place in the way that it is. She said that the reason why there was still innovation happening, that there was plenty of innovation. In fact, more innovation was happening back then at a faster clip because people had to get their products to the market quickly. And they knew that there would be people out there uh, knocking off their products and offering generic versions of it. They knew that would be happening. So they had to, you know, keep uh, they had to get their product out the gates quickly. They had to market it effectively. And they did all that because when they when they hit the market first, they were rewarded for being first to marketplace. They had the the brand loyalty, essentially, that came out as a result of that. And, of course, they didn't have all the patent lawyer costs and things like that. Well, what I'm talking about is less uh, about engines and pills and more about uh, a right to retain ownership of reproduction of creative media. It's the type of intellectual uh, property that I'm talking about. So meaning you own the music that you make, and if I decide I want to put holes in a CD in the same exact pattern that there's been some sort of violation? Well, see, that's the misconception, is that it's just a pattern that's randomly assembled on a disc that anyone can do it. And there's you know, thousands of hours of work, and I, I just I can't give credence to this idea that um, the creative work of a mind isn't worth anything. 
it's worth whatever you can get for it. You can you can put a whole bunch of work into something, but if the marketplace thinks it's crap, you're not going to get paid. Well, shouldn't I at least retain the right to market my crap? No one's ever taken that from you. We're, we're talking about outright. Uh, an example I, I threw at Mark is if he wrote a book, and I were to just remove the jacket and place my name on the book, same intellectual property, still Mark's creative process, but I've taken his... Somebody could say that's somebody could say that's fraud. I mean, if you're saying you wrote the book when, in point of fact, you didn't write the book, you would be engaging in fraud in that particular situation. All right, and if he actually owned the rights to that book and he signed a contract with a publisher, giving them an exclusive right to to uh, publish, bound, and distribute his book for him, mm-hmm. um, shouldn't that contract be honored? Isn't there? Shouldn't there be some way? To protect uh, that contract from fraud. Well, yeah, I think if you're engaging in fraud, I think the marketplace will come up with uh, ways to uh, to protect people from uh, from being defrauded. Uh, if you're caught in fraudulent activity, then you may be asked to pay some sort of restitution. If you don't, your reputation might take a hit. I think that having a system of reputation is very important in a in a market based in a free market system. See, this is. Um... I think where you're falling short on this, Ian, is I do believe in, in intellectual property. I don't believe that it should be coerced into, um, uh, you know, existence by governments because governments seem to screw up everything that they do. And um, I think that we can manage to figure it out. And I think that in the same way that if I drive my car to New York City and I leave the windows down, the doors open, and the trunk open, um, and I leave a lot of good stuff in that car, I can probably reasonably expect that um, that car will be empty, if not gone, when I return. In the same way that if you just release, uh, you know, whatever, a book or a, a song or a movie or whatever, without any kind of protections against someone stealing it, then you can probably expect that someone will steal it. But I think that uh, if in the absence of government uh, intellectual property laws, that you will probably see people taking steps to protect their intellectual property. I believe intellectual property exists. I believe it's worth protecting. You're not going to see those summer blockbusters if there is no uh, chance for profit from the millions of dollars that go into it. I won't miss them that Simple much. Simple economics, folks. It's a, well, no, you're presuming that there's no demand out there for it. I mean, you're presuming that the people that are demanding that service or product aren't willing to pay for it. And it's clear that they are. More coming up, Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian with you. Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including our chat room. You can go 24-7 in there, though most of the time the best time to find people is during the show. Chat.freetalklive.com will take you to it. It's free. Chat.freetalklive.com. Um, choose for Health Superfruit Complex. It's a chewable uh, vitamin, and it's also an antioxidant all in one. It contains goji, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. These four superfruits contained within are considered by many experts to be the most nutrient-rich fruits that the world has to offer, and you can get a free week by calling 800-219-8874. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. It's Choose for Health's Superfruit Complex. It's 800-219-8874. 
Okay, so toll-free number is 800-259-9231. We're on the issue of intellectual property. There's a little bit more here from ArsTechnica.com. They're talking about a science paper that is called Promoting Intellectual Discovery, Patents versus Markets. We exist in the system today where there's there are things called patents, and the patents make it very difficult uh, for innovation to really happen. It's sold that patents help innovation, but what the evidence is showing here, at least in this one paper from Science, is that uh, in Cornwall, England, they actually had a, a point at which several patents expired on steam engines that after that point finally spurred a period of openly shared innovations that led to rapid improvements in steam engine design. Same thing we saw in another story I remember a while back about uh, grills, grill technology. There was a certain grill technology that the patent finally expired on, and after that is when the real development started to occur because then other people could grab that idea and utilize it without having to pay some absurd licensing fee up front or a bow down to whatever the demands of the original patent holders were. Now, in the science paper, the authors engaged in an experiment to see how well these open innovation systems worked in a model market. To do this, they turned to what's called the knapsack problem. Students were given a list of 10 items, each with different weights and values. Given limits to the number of items that they could choose and the total weight of the items, the students were asked to maximize the total value. Now, the authors set up two different types of experiments. In one, there was a winner-take-all monetary prize for the first optimal solution, sort of like the patent system, where if you hit the, if you get your patent first, doesn't matter if you came up with the idea first, it matters who gets the patent first. I'd like to point that point that out. Uh, but if you get your patent first, then you've got the monopoly and you've got it guaranteed for however many years the the patent is for whatever that product is. I think there are different categories. So that's what they were uh, emulating there, where there's the monetary prize for whatever student comes up with the first optimal solution. In the other uh, situation, the students were assigned shares in each of the objects and given the opportunity to trade the shares on an open exchange. When the trial was over, rewards would be given based on the number of shares people held in items that were used in the optimal solution, whatever that ended up being. So for all but the most difficult case, where only the market system arrived at a solution, Both systems resulted in the discovery of an optimal system. The key difference seems to be that in the market system, more of the participants finished with an optimized system. The authors present evidence that suggests that prices of the items acted to communicate information on the solution among the market's participants. So when it was the system where one winner takes the the cake... In most of the scenarios, they did get the optimal solution, but that was the only person who benefited, uh, and that did not solve the problem in the most difficult scenario. In the most difficult scenario, the optimal solution only came from the market option, where everyone kind of had a, you know, anybody that put their idea into whatever the optimal solution was walked away with a piece of whatever the, uh, they, they walked away with a piece of the pie, essentially. So it wasn't just guaranteed to uh, the one winner. The market solution found, uh, found optimal uh, solutions for every single problem, whereas the one-size-fits-all patent solution did not. So it's obviously not a real market. It's a college experiment, uh, but nonetheless, I think s- somewhat instructive to uh, what the real world could be like. Well, they're doing their best with it, and I, I I'd certainly appreciate that. Did uh, I explain it effective, effectively? I, I think so, but it, I, I think that you know what it's 
that doesn't mean that just because we have a little experiment there, that's about what works. And I'm all for what works, okay? But that doesn't mean that you don't own an idea that you created, okay? I do own my ideas. And I can, as soon as you speak them, then you can't really prove you own them anymore. Well, I, I, I own them in the same way that I own everything. I, if, if I could keep it secure, then it's mine. And then that's your responsibility. Absolutely. That's all this argument is – that's all this decision is about. This is about whether or not you can uh, – you know, the, the marketplace can come up with technologies to secure particular types of intellectual property. And I think that it can, at least for a period of time, long enough for the people that create those technologies to recoup uh, you know, the value of their R&D and their, their hard labor, which I, I think that most people would agree that all intellectual property should at some point uh, terminate and the world should be able to benefit in the same way that they're probably shouldn't be a 500-year patent on the paperclip, you know, that kind of thing. Well, te- new technology itself, the Internet being, you know, a prime example of this makes uh, that's uh, securing your copyright for something like music a lot better. I mean, not too many years ago, the industry was reliant upon the major record labels and their distribution channels to get things out. Alice, how would people know about your product? I'll use Radiohead as an example. One of their last albums they released online free, for free, and asked to give what they paid for them. Um, given the old record label paradigm of, of like the major companies, I think once it gets broken down, the management and all these people are paid... Uh, what do you get? Fifty cents? Something like fifty cents a record per album. Yeah, it's it's really it's uh, really low. I think, I think Radiohead averaged six dollars on this last. As far one. as what people were voluntarily choosing yes, to give them sure. for the one CD, and they made it, you know they 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 came up with a great idea. They wanted to see how things would go, and it went really well for them. I'd say that yeah. also since they were likely the first big band to do such a thing, that they probably received more than would be. I don't be, know uh, because just, who's going to go and download it but a Radiohead fan? Speculation. Well, because a Radiohead fan may say, "Hey, this is a really great," or, or some intellectual property uh, person who really cares about the, you know, doing away with intellectual property or, or record uh, studios, whom have made a lot of enemies in the marketplace uh, relatively recently. You know, may very well decide, oh, "I think I'll pay a little more," or whatever. These okay, people are nice to doing this. Maybe that's true. But if it's done on a regular basis, it doesn't show up as nice anymore. Well, it shows up as normal. No, maybe if that's true, though, Mark. You're also not counting, or you're maybe not thinking about the amount of people that are just going to go, hey, hey, I can get a free CD for two cents, or I'm going to pay zero. So the question is, you're, what you're saying is, well, maybe people on one side were more likely to go and pay more than they might otherwise, but what if there's also a you know, concomitant amount of people that are just coming in and grabbing the CD and not paying anything for well, it? Well, I'm uh, sure there's an amount of people that are doing that. However, those same people, the same people that want to get it for free would get it for free on every subsequent album of every subsequent band that... Pr- released in the same way that Radiohead did. You notice there aren't any more articles about this, and I'm sure many of bands have done th- just that. It's been, what, three Did years Nine since Radio? Nails? Didn't Nine Inch Nails do one? Probably. Yeah, I, you're still talking about the first ten, Ian. Okay. I, I'm talking about, I, I'm on down the line at the, at the next... 10,000 of them. Well, I, that's the ones I'm talking about. Once it's normal to give your um, to, to give the album away online and people to pay whatever they want to get, the freebies, the, the freeloaders, they're going to still be freeloaders. However, the people that are inspired by this new action aren't going to be inspired anymore. That's well, what I'm saying. But there's a lot of da- there's a lot that they could, as far as price is concerned, they could go down a, a quite a ways. I mean, as Josh pointed out, they made $6 on average as compared to $0.50, cents, which I'm is not really saying old. it what's, wouldn't what's work either. What's important is that they had the proprietary right to market their product that way and assume the risk. 
to, to make the money or lose it all. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Josh and Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. We've got a Facebook profile. You can go to facebook.freetalklive.com and become a fan there, facebook.freetalklive.com. What if you found out that the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Now, the Free State Project is a brilliant movement. Uh, When I first heard the idea, I knew I had to be a part of it. Uh, My only issue, of course, was the cold thing, because I was born and raised uh, down in Florida, and cold was scary to me. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's worked out. I, I like it up here. And the cold is pretty neat, actually. I like the snow. That's new to me. And the changing of the seasons, that's pretty exciting. So it's it's actually worked out really well. I like the snow and I like the changing of the seasons. I wish that the winter were shorter, um, yeah. I think would be probably be my uh, my biggest contention in the weather. However, I'm also, um, you know, we, we, we make it just fine. And the weather in Florida was certainly inhospitable at times, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and not to mention that sometimes hurricanes come through. And, and destroy your house. Oh, the weather here is much easier going as far as the disaster style weather. They just don't get hurricanes up here. I mean, I, you you northerners, uh, Josh, a New Hampshire native, is with us here tonight. Uh, whenever I hear uh, people in this area talking about inclement weather that is coming in, they get so so worried and they get so dis- distraught over what is what turns out most of the time the ice storm accepted. Uh, what turns out most of the time to be some wind okay. and a little bit of snow. That comes from, like, uh, scare tactic conditioning of New England weather. In one single day, uh, I was doing landscaping a few years ago. It started off in July being 50 degrees in the morning, became 90 degrees by midday. Mm-hmm. Thunderstorm came in off the lake and started spewing hail. <laughs> and then it you know, got about 80 degrees again and all in the course of about six hours i think that's the alarmism because if you hear that the weather's changing it could be anything you don't know if you should bring a rain jacket or sandals or you what do need to, do. to be prepared that's that's true up here you certainly need to be prepared for uh for weather to change there's no doubt about that but as far as a hurricane rolling through and and laying waste to everything it just yeah not so here? much right it, it, after you get used tornadoes to it, the snowfall just becomes an annoyance what about, after a while what about tornadoes Actually, uh, one ripped through my hometown last summer. Huh. Did a lot of damage. Interesting. Their houses are made of wood up here. Yeah. Um, so anyway, freestateproject.org. Go there, learn more about it, get involved. One of the most exciting things about this movement, besides the fact that great activists are coming here to New Hampshire, is it's giving the people that have been here their entire lives, or have been here for a while, perhaps longer than the Free State Project, people like you, Josh, mm-hmm. it's giving you a reason to get excited again, because a lot of New Hampshire natives have been pretty bummed out by all the statists coming in and invading from places like Vermont, Massachusetts, and New York, and coming here and bringing their status uh, ways with them, and their big government ideas and so having people that are in favor of freedom actually moving in and getting active i've seen really energize a lot of the new hampshire natives into taking extra steps that they otherwise wouldn't have uh there's a gentleman here in Keene that's running for political office 
that arguably would not be doing that if there weren't people here doing activism. He probably would be, you know, relatively inactive, I think, in comparison to where he is today. I can't speak for him, though. But I've just seen sure, the, it's activating the local um, the new, locals. Yeah. I've seen it in a lot of different places, activating the locals and giving them backup too. Instead of just being the loner uh, out there doing whatever it was you were doing, now you've got people that are willing to come to the court trials. They're willing to come to your events, and it's it's made a difference. So it's a great group. Well, live free or die isn't just a catchy slogan, and I think at the times that we're living in, it's becoming uh, a much more relevant. More important than ever. Sure. More important than ever. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Jonathan's in Missouri. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jonathan. How you doing? Hey, what's on um, your mind? I'd just like to chime in on what you're talking about about uh, with patents. Um, I got a friend of mine who made multiple millions of dollars without ever getting patents. He was an inventor. He invented uh, auto parts, and he would uh, develop it. He would invent it, develop it, manufacture it all in-house. And... Uh, by the time it got out on the market, 95% of them would be sold in the first six months, and uh, he, he made millions and millions without ever getting patents. He, he, would, he would casually apply for a patent, but it wasn't the first thing on his mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was just kind of interesting the way he, you know, he had his marketing. He, he knew everything. You know? That's great. And I think the people that manage to do the job the best will get rewarded. Yep. Any other thoughts for us tonight? Uh, no. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yep. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Michael in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live. Michael. Hey, guys. How are you doing this What's evening? What's on your mind, Michael? Uh, well, I just I had an interesting conversation with my brother-in-law. I felt like sharing it with you guys. By all means. Um, so he is kind of like a leftist, kind of very concerned about the food and how the big businesses uh, try to corner that market. How old is so, he compared to you? Uh, he's in his uh Early 30s, and I'm and, at 25. Okay. So, and uh, would you call yourselves so, peers, or would you call him your uh, um, elder, just in the way that, that uh, to act? My uh, peer. Okay. I would call him. Yeah. So. Seems like it's right on the borderline to me. Yeah, it is. Okay. So he kind of understands how uh, corporations use the government for certain issues. Uh, I can't convince them on others, but so today he's talking about how he he's very. Uh, Right now, they're trying to grow their own food, and uh, they want to start selling it and, and make it maybe a little bit of money and live off of it. And he was saying at some point he's going to have to start um, keeping records and maybe become a business or something like that. And I was just kind of very – I was very surprised that you know, there was so much wasted energy he was going to put himself through to try to comply with all this taxation regulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had conversations with him about how those, that regulation and that taxation, that that is – um, that he doesn't have to go through that, and that it's it's completely immoral for them to try to make him the tax collector uh, and to collect money on his behalf. But he can't, he doesn't get it, you know. <laughs> and I asked him. Well, ask him what would ask him how many uh, you know that you know of course the money that he collects is uh, fungible, and uh, you should look up that term and, and show it to mm-hmm. him too. Um, it means that it can be placed in any direction. So uh, the if the government's collecting that money, the government is using that money to create bombs and missiles that kill people in Pakistan. If he's a good lefty, then he won't like that. Tell him. Ask him how many, um, you know, every time he's collecting this money, how many, uh, how many, how many Pakistanis do you think that's going to kill? How many <laughs> Pakistani babies do you think you're going to kill with that? It's the reason I quit smoking cigars because I'm not willing to give, even though Obama set this up so it goes to the the National Education Foundation or whatever. I know that 
the amount every uh, every dollar that goes into that fa- um, fund is another dollar that they won't put that the federal government won't put uh, in there from you know wherever else, and therefore they will be able to put it towards bombs and missiles. And so therefore, I quit smoking because there's a federal tax put on cigars. Right. I, I've uh, had similar conversations uh, uh, about this manner, and actually it makes them very uncomfortable when I sure. say because I'm very I'm more a little bit more the voluntarist spark. But even if you if you spoke uh, of the minarchists, just the road cops and courts. It makes them uncomfortable to say that the government is basically an entity that kills people, and to support it, you're supporting the machine that you know, murders innocent people. I understand it makes them uncomfortable. Good. I yeah, mean, what, oh, be. I know, and it I should. agree. I agree completely. You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to alienate myself completely from my family. <laughs> under, understood, but I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> who does he think is out there killing people in uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iraq? Um, oh, I know. He I, I, knows. I, that's why he's uncomfortable. Yes, I completely agree with. That's why I was. I asked him basically, uh, what would be your line in the sand? You know, you're going to go through all this. At what point would huh, it be question. too much? And and he basically said that it, his line in the sand was the animal ID, which he he wouldn't huh? uh, comply with that. The whole if you are a small business, some kind of uh, food processor, you oh, would have right. to uh, tag every single animal, but the big businesses only have to tag one. So he that's his line in the sand. But he's willing to comply. He's willing to go through the hoops and actually uh, collect taxes to sell potatoes, you know, and uh, whatever other vegetables that he... Ask because him, he's ask, afraid. Ask him if he minds if you go on the Internet every week and uh, drop a picture of somebody who's been, uh, you know, one of the one of the natives that's been killed in Afghanistan or Pakistan and, and that you two look at it. Well, isn't he scared? One. I mean, every isn't week. that why he's doing it? It's not because he's he sees any real benefit from jumping through those hoops. He's doing it because he's frightened of what they might do to him, right? Absolutely right. I mean, I, uh, we both. He he understands when I speak to him that the government is forced, the government is violence. He understands that. He's okay with the violence. It's you know? too scary for them. I thank you for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. More on the way here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. A lot of people are petrified to do anything against the state. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that. Fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. Enough time for your call if you make it now, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Josh. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Hey, if you like the show and you want to help Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Get used items, brand new items, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of their new items, dozens of categories in which to shop. It's a great place to get the shopping done for the stuff that you need and the stuff you want. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Now, one of the things you, uh, I don't think you can get at Amazon would be a pistol, firearms, that sort of thing. In that case, you need to know about the Millionaire Patriot. 
He's got five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for just pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to FrontSight.com to get your training and your free gun. That's FrontSight.com. Now, a few moments ago, we had Michael on the line in Kentucky, and he was talking about a conversation with, I don't think it was a family member or friend, I don't recall which, but somebody close. Brother-in-law. Yep, brother-in-law, someone close to him uh, about some issues and talking about how uh, essentially by bowing down and doing what the man wants him to do as far as his business is concerned, which is applying for permits and licensing and paying taxes. and sell radishes. Right, jumping through whatever the hoops were to do what he was already doing. He wanted to go legit, you know, uh, the, the process of doing all that. Mark, you pointed out, well, maybe you should remind him, since he's against things like the war, Maybe you should remind him that by obeying and bowing down and giving these people money on a voluntary basis, you're voluntarily choosing to fund the killing of babies. You're choosing to, to fund the killing of innocent people around the world. And he says he, he made that point, but it fell on deaf ears because this guy doesn't want to think about that. He doesn't want to realize that that's the case. He does know it. He knows inherently what he's doing is, is wrong by, by aiding and abetting these criminals, by voluntarily sending money and obeying them. He knows it's wrong, but he's too damned afraid to do anything about it. And I know that uh, Josh, that you had uh, something that was related to this that you wanted to jump into. Yeah, I've 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 noticed something. Uh, there's a new schism sort of brewing underneath the water, but it's not separated along the traditional separatist and loyalist lines. There's like this new new subsect of um, people who just don't want to be bothered to hear about the issues at all. No, do I have don't no know opinions one way or other. I've encountered. I've had. Uh, some friendships dissolve lately because they uh, these people feel that I'm too worried about these issues and spending too much time thinking about them or, or talking about them. Can you give me a little more uh, detail? I mean, without revealing who it was. Uh, one, one was a friend. Uh, one was a band I was fired from. Uh, one of the friends was a cop, and we had sort of just a disagreement. I tried to get him to join Leap. He just um, they don't want to hear. Uh, political discourse or anything. They don't want to con- be confronted with the realities of eight years in Afghanistan. Well, is I don't it, think that eight years in Afghanistan is politics as much as it's sort of like issues. Um, you know, war is an issue as opposed to politics. Sure, the, the Not lo- as far as they're concerned, Mark. Well, they, they, they may try to define things well, differently if they wish. Politics is about Democrats and Republicans. Politics is about... Uh, you know the the policies of of, of you know the people that rule. Yeah. I, I think I think that you can talk about you know the the actions that the government takes um, as issues without talking about politics. I understand sort of where they're coming from. It does have that feel to it. But I don't know if I agree with you in that it's new. I I don't know about that. I think that this is something that's probably been going on for a long time. Back in the American Revolutionary days, didn't they say that only a very small percentage were the revolutionaries, uh, another small percentage were the, the loyalists, and then there was a big percentage in the middle that just, eh, by and large, didn't care that much or didn't care enough to really do anything. Right. Isn't that essentially what you're talking about here? The people I, I, that just... It's essentially, but... They focus on their own life. They focus on what they're, uh, what they consider important to them, and they just don't understand. Like you're saying, they just don't understand why this is so important. Josh, you can't have any effect on this. Why do you even care about this? Not even that. I mean, they'll admit that that there's something wrong with the war, but they just can't be bothered to to confront the realities of why. 
and how they could do any small part. Just as Mark was saying, quitting smoking. Not not earth-shattering, but maybe a small dent. At least it uh, gives you some sort of moral absolution on, on the matter. <laughs> well, um, you know, in, in that case, I'd also say that I think that there's a, there, there's a line. You know, like the, the gentleman whose brother-in-law that he was just talking about. You know, I'm, I'm not saying the brother-in-law is completely wrong in, not, um, in, in deciding that he's going to collect some taxes at some point if he feels that he's, you know, in danger. I think that... He could probably go on until somebody, uh, you know, some government agent comes up and demands some money from him rather than going ahead and imagining that this is going to happen. And then and subverting himself right, to the state. Yeah, and, and doing that ahead of time. But at the same time, I, you know, I pay taxes now. I pay income taxes now, and I do it because I You're don't. You're scared. Well, I, I can't. I've made a deal with my, uh, with my wife that I'm. She's you scared. Know, but, well, we have a family, and we have a child. And if She's I, scared. Right. I, I it's mean, okay to be scared. Legitimate fear. Right. No, no, no. It's okay to be frightened. These are scary people, and they have scary cages that they will put you in. They can take your. The scary people will show up and take your child from you. So I understand the fear. I understand the fear. But that's the. I think that's the. Uh, that is the factor that you're dealing with here. Is that these people you're talking about? They're talking to. They understand what you're saying, and they're so damn scared of what the consequences might be for you, let alone for themselves, if they were to start uh, saying no and non-cooperating and not going along with the system. They're just uh, deathly afraid of it. I was at the uh, the tea party this weekend. Uh, they have these things from time to time. As you know, if you've been paying attention to the national news, there was one in Keene, uh, New Hampshire, where I live, and I went down to it, and there were probably about 100 people there, I guess, maybe a little little more than that throughout the afternoon, but as I was there, I was having conversations with people that you might describe as conservative, as that tends to be who's uh, attracted. I would not describe myself as that way. There were some anarchists there and uh, voluntarists there. And, but I was talking to some people that would have been described as conservatives. And we were coming to agreement on a lot of things. Like, you know, they like the idea of uh, secession, you know, declaring independence. And they, they like that idea. And, and it just as we kind of continued on in the conversation, we ended up getting to more of the non-cooperative aspects of, of what I might suggest that people do. The idea that if people stop obeying, if they stop paying, look, if you like the idea of secession, you should start personally and stop feeding into this system. Stop paying into it. Yep. Said he liked the idea. Which I was surprised at because a lot of conservatives like war and all of that. But yeah, this guy more, was in more favor. what I'm talking about is just absolute indifference to the murder and the mayhem. And they said the military can do no wrong. Just give them time. They're doing the right thing. Yeah. So they're saying they're doing the right thing? Well, yeah. that's not indifference. That's taking a side, right? Well, I guess so. I mean, I... But I see the indifference too. The indifference is the, the apathy. Indifference to, the indifference to thinking about it. There's a flag flying over these. Uh, there's an American flag flying over these people. So what they're doing must be right, and that's a sort of an, an indifference to uh, you know thinking about an issue. Well, m- what I was going to say was though the the fear on the part of these folks was there when I finally got down to the issue of non-cooperation. Look, these these guys were all the way. Yeah, let's get rid of the federal government. Yeah, secession. We agree with you. It's just they weren't willing to do anything about it personally. So it's that. Not, it's not indifference, but it's the inability to uh, for them that they that they've come come to the conclusion that they're not willing to really put anything on the line. Yeah, we we were talking. This friend and I were talking about a mutual friend who is still over in Afghanistan some eight years later, and I just brought up the fact because I didn't think he was quite aware of the history of Afghanistan and in the United States. Um, so I put it on a level where where he would get it. I asked him if he had ever seen uh, Rambo Three. And the final scenes of Rambo 3, the ending credits, they dedicate the movie to the gallant people of Afghanistan. 
Because the movie depicts them fighting uh, the Russians, right? Yeah, fighting the Russian hind gunships on the backs of horses. So if they were so gallant and brave to defend their 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 homes and their families and everything that they hold of value, then what has really changed about their virtue now that they're fighting a different enemy? Brilliant. They don't want to confront that reality. No, it's cowardice. It's even more cowardice than the people that I was talking to because these people don't even want to think about the issues. They don't even want to go there. They just rather immerse themselves in whatever distractions they have, their television or their beer or whatever it is that they've got to distract them, and uh, go about their lives. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. That's why I'm here in the Free State Project to get together with the other doers who are actually going to make a difference. Now, speaking of Afghanistan, there's some very brief news uh, that uh, you wanted to get out tonight, Mark, about what's happening over there. Well, yeah, it looks like uh, the uh, McChrystal, the, the general who's in command over there, says uh, top U.S. and NATO commander in Afghanistan warns in an urgent confidential assessment of the war that he needs more forces within the next year and bluntly states that without them, the eight-year conflict will likely result in failure. How much more? Uh, 45,000, I believe they said. How many do they have now? I, wow. I don't have that information sitting here right here in front of me. Where is that going to come from? Well, it's going to come from the United States of America. It's going I mean, to come from your people. graduating classes in your neighborhoods. That's where it's going to come from. Maybe they'll bring back the draft. Uh, I mean, do they have that many people that they can just send over? Are A they going to pull them out of Iraq? Just, just that. I mean, they do. He, the Crystal needs 45 soft bodies Scary. to catch hard, hard They're, bullets. They All don't right. need 45,000 troops to fight a band of terrorists. We're done for now. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. This is Ian. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time. You and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar and get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T.com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free gun. Again, that's frontsite.com.